0: coming at you at 15 Perry street i'm robert and i'm joined by my sidekick paul martinez hey everybody so we have a guest today um and spencer i've been following you i think for just probably the last three or four maybe five months or something of that nature and uh but i was uh I was stalking you for probably longer than that. And it was one of these things where I think somebody turned me on and said, hey, listen, you need to go check this guy out. And uh, when I started following you on social media, there was just such a clear message and some things that you were putting out there that at times were deep, but I think also were great coaching and mentoring uh, pieces to it. And it's like, you know, all right, well, at some point I'm probably just going to ask you um, you know, to come on this show, and it was just more of what was the right timing. So I'm glad you're here. Um, glad everything worked out, and welcome to the uh, podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we're going to get into the very beginning, though, because you mentioned to me off-air that you came from Nebraska. And is that where you were born or just where you were raised? or what yep, was the story yep. I there? Was,
1: um, so my dad was in the Air Force for 23 years. Okay. And I was born in Bellevue, Nebraska. There's an um, Air Force base called Offit um, right, right down the street, maybe five or ten minutes down the street. So he um, actually rejected his, I think, E-8 or E-9 promotion so that we could stay there. Because I think by the time he was ready to retire, I was like a freshman in high school. My older brother was a senior. And he's like, all right, I could take my promotion and leave. We'd probably have to PCS somewhere, finish my time out there. And he, he rejected that and said, uh, you know what, I'm going to put my family first and reject it, stayed. I think retired as an E7 or an E8. And, um, yep. We stayed there my whole entire life. What was his MOS? What, what was he doing? Um, so I don't know his MOS or how it works in the air force. Uh, but he worked on the same plane called the E4B. It's like the third or fourth in line for the president as their contingency plan. Oh, and, um, yeah. So he runs from what I know, he runs all like electronical stuff through the whole plane. So if anything, he know. like I've been on there one time after his ret- retirement ceremony and he was like, yeah, dude, I know where every outlet on this plane is. And I was like, that is insane. (laughs) That is insane. He's like, this is, I wasn't in the military yet. And he's like, when you get into the military, like you're going to know your job just like this, just in a different world. And I was like, that's, that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. I has, uh, I have a a son-in-law whose father or I'm I'm sorry, son-in-law whose grandfather was in the air force. And now it's making me wonder what it was that he did. He was a pilot, but I I now wonder if he was there and your dad was doing that. Maybe he's never talked much about what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole lot. So I wonder if it was something like on occasion he did some things like secret service flying yeah. the president, doing whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've
1: I've never I've never really heard my dad talk about yeah anything at all. You know, like he he's never really shared too many stories. I think in his mind he's been doing his job for over twenty years that he's like, Nobody wants to hear about this. Mm. You know what I mean? So we were we were playing sports so much that he he wanted, I think he wanted to focus on that when he got away from work, you know, because he was, you know, he'd been doing it for so long that it was like, he didn't really care to show us about this plane. He was more excited by watching his kids grow and, and see the adults that they were coming into.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That he was able to even do, the, able yeah. to do that. Because I mean, like even, you know, in today's situation, it's much harder to do that, as you know. Yes. You know, be a father or be a parent. Yep. Yeah. yeah you know. When... I I always wondered that. I was like, I don't ever really remember my
1: dad missing too much, hmm. um, especially now that, you know, I had to miss so much. I think this year was the first year that I was home for all three of my kids' birthdays. So it was like, damn, how did, like, Dad, how did you do it 23 years and I guess, I don't know, he knew how to pull strings or do something he did something right you know he didn't miss very much so he still
0: did his 23 years when when was it that he retired in relation to like you graduating high school um i believe i was
1: a freshman freshman or a sophomore in high school and um yeah i think i think he just i think he had an opportunity to go overseas for like eight or nine months um and it was going to be a huge i think he was going to miss my basketball season my football season and he was like no um, and put into his, his retirement packet and he's like, I want to, I want to be here for my kids.
0: It's an impressionable age. And that's why I asked that because I was trying to figure out, all right, that's also about what, 14, 15 years old. And, um, you know, for a, for a young man, that's really when you want your father there too. But did he have any influence maybe on your decisions to go into the military or, um, so I would say, yeah, okay. um, yeah.
1: And it wasn't really that he said anything or he, you know, the, like I said, he didn't really talk about much, mm-hmm. but the, the financial freedom that he had from having a solid paycheck to provide for, for me my brother, um, that was a huge thing for me. Cause I was like, I know I'm going to have kids at some point someday. Um, and the, the most solid like most assuring job to me in my eyes was what i was seeing every day my dad yeah. and he was going being, going to the military you know and he seemed you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't really pay attention if he liked his job or not. But just watching him lace up his boots when he when he still had to put on a uniform, um, that was like that was cool to me. You know, just seeing because my kids don't get to see me in uniform too much. But then you you see that when they do see you in uniform, you look like a Superman to them. And that's how I that's how I looked at my dad and. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely influential when it was that time to decide whether or not I was going to go to college and, and stay a civilian or, or join the military. And I would ask him, since he'd been there, done that, I was like, you know, was it worth it? And, yeah, 100%. And I think when he told me that, that was like, all right, I have to do this now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us, um, probably even those that are listening, probably came to some crossroads at some point and started to make a decision. For me, it was like... I was seventeen years old and it was either I'd go off to college, which I I didn't feel like I was doing that well in high school because mm-hmm. I was I, I didn't wanna learn. You know what I mean? I didn't really wanna participate and put my all into it. And so I, I thought, well I can always go to school. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to the military. And and, you know, it sounds like maybe you kind of came to that same kind of crossroads. or Yeah, yeah. Um, I was exactly like that. Um, I'm
1: not a sit-in-a-classroom, learn-in-a-school-setting type of person. And anybody that knows me from high school, like, I'll be honest with you, I've probably showed up maybe half the time. Um, there were a lot of, like, Fridays where we'd have football games and I would not even go to school because uh, I wanted to focus on just the football game. I was like, I don't really care about that. Um now, basketball season was a different, different, uh, different story because my basketball coach was had been coaching me since I was in second grade all the way up until I graduated high school. Oh wow! So he wouldn't let me pull that shit. He'd be like, "No, dude, you're going to class. If you don't go to class all day today, you're you're not playing in the game." But exactly like I I knew that when I was going to college, um, so. I got recruited. I walked on to Nebraska for football. And that summer going into it... Who was coaching then? It was Bo Planey. Okay. Yep. So the summer going into it... um, I kind of got involved in, in, in the wrong shit, uh, the wrong people, and I decided not to go play. Um, I started focusing on money more, um, and it was a very, maybe three to six months where my head was completely art, sports are done. I'm gonna focus on money because I'm starting to meet these people that have a lot of money, and they're very like influential about stuff about um, the money side and the business side, and so I kind of dove into that. That's kind of where my head was at, and uh, once I realized like I was making a mistake and I was kind of throwing my life away, I was like all right, I can't go back on my decision. I can't like I can't walk on to Nebraska now. And so I went to a uh, Division 2 school down the street, University of Nebraska Kearney. And huge level change from Division 1 to Division 2. And um, I thought I could go there and work my way back up into the Division 1 level, but I kept running into that same thing where it was like I'm not a classroom person. So yes, I could go to practice all day and I could go to play football and shit all day, but it was the other half of going to class, and you guys know, like, if you don't go to class, college, you're not fucking playing. Yeah. And yeah. so that is, um, I left Carney, and maybe 24 hours later, I was at the recruiters, and I went to went to the Navy first because wanted to be a fucking Navy Seal. And <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. it the Charlie Sheen movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like active. Oh, fucking hundreds of movies now. So I was like, all right, go to the Navy recruiter. And they saw, I, at, at that time I had half sleeve tattoos, not even full sleeves. And they were like, yep, you have tattoos below where the t shirt shows or where you can see in the t shirt so we can't take you. All right, next door went to the Air Force, I think, um, and so they said the same thing. Went next door to the Marines, they said the same thing. And last stop shop, Army recruiters <laughs> at Come the, on, the last door, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I walked in seat. there, and they're like, "What do you want to do, big guy?" <laughs> I want to be a ranger. <laughs> and yeah, that was that was really it. Like I think I was gone maybe a couple months later. After that, it was a it was.
0: The, did you do the research before you went in there? So like, uh, you know, you knew SEAL or was it you know go or die or, so, or what, what, so? You said you you know you wanted to go ranger. So did you even know what that was? No, I, mean, I think I walked in there and I said I want to be. Be an
1: airborne uh airborne ranger or something like that you know whatever you hear mm-hmm. not the prop, proper term at all but i was like yeah I want, uh, They're like, what do you think what do you think about doing and i was like i want to be an airborne ranger and um they're like all right go back and take the asvab and i took the asvab and did not get did not get the score that they <laughs> that they were wanting to help me out with so um I think I got maybe like a 97 or 98 on my GT score. Yeah, which is high. 99 is the highest. So. Yeah. Well, no, this was GT. So oh, GT. You, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry so we you had to have AFQT. Anyway. At the like at the time it was like 110. I think is yeah, what I, I had to that, have. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, dude, yeah, like you're not going to be able to go straight in get infantry or uh, ranger or any type of soft. Um, They're like, but what we but what we can't give you is infantry. And I was like, yeah, I've heard about that and and uh he told me that it was going to be just like the it 's just like the airborne ranger job that you want, and I was like, "Okay, cool fuck, sign me up <laughs> and you know a couple of weeks later, I was like, just like, <laughs> but there was no no research done whatsoever at all except movies that I watched you know so
0: you get to id and while you 're there at Benning um did you get get a chance to like even go to the video and see the opportunity of maybe getting a ranger contract? Did you even talk to those guys about a waiver? Or?
1: Yeah, I did. Um,
0: after about halfway through my
1: drill, start started to realize um, what kind of kid I was, and. Um, He started persuading me into that path. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem was, was that GT score. So he's like, I can't, I can't really help you. The best thing I can get for you is an airborne contract.
0: But it had been 30 days. Okay. This is my old recruiter side coming out of me. So it had been 30 days since you took the initial um, ASVAB. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not mistaken, unless things have changed, you had the opportunity if somebody would have known better to give you another retest. Yeah, I have no idea. They could have sent you over on main post there, Fort Benny, and just had you take the test and the education center and then, you know, come back over or something. So for those that are listening, you might yeah. want to check that out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, seriously, and um, you never know. I mean, you wouldn't have needed that much, yeah. you know, to round out, like you know, a couple more math or a couple more science right questions. Boom, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that GT goes up.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: And that's really what it uh, boiled down to when I was
1: in the 82nd. Um, I took that fast class, there you month,
0: go. month-long class, yeah. and it was
1: nothing but exactly what you just said. And I took the tests, got a 113, and
0: then I was. So that was your first assignment. Was the 82nd thing? Yep.
1: <laughs> yep. I was supposed to go to. I was supposed to go to. Um, so you got
0: the airborne still?
1: They, yep. In so in basic training, the uh, the drill sergeant was like, "Does anybody want to go Rangers or or 18X-ray contract?" and um, mm-hmm. Or get an airborne airborne contract or something. One of those. Yeah. One of those. And um, I was like, yep, I, I want like whatever I can get. And they're like, well, looking at your GT score, no soft, but we can get you an airborne contract. So tomorrow, 06, um, whoever wants to get the airborne contract that doesn't have it, PT test, pretty much fight, fight to death. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> um, showed up there, crushed the PT test, and he's like, yep, all right, airborne contract. So I switched from. Um, Schofield Barracks is where I was supposed to go after OSIT. Nice. That would have yeah. been a good one. Yeah. So <laughs> instead, I got the 82nd. They're like, oh, you want to go to Airborne? You, no more Hawaii for you. Going to the 82nd. <laughs> and my drill sergeant was a 82nd guy. So he was super fucking pumped about it. He was like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's where you
0: belong, brother. I was like, <laughs> No, that's awesome. Paul was supposed to go 173rd. 173rd. I was going to go to Italy. Yeah. Then he uh, saw the video yeah, went and went uh,
2: Rip Brief, and I saw him. Yeah. Night vision, mini bikes, yep. helicopters. I'm like, that's it. I've had spaghetti. Fuck it. Yep. <laughs> let's get it. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's see what
0: we can do. What was it like arriving at uh, 82nd then, as a newbie?
1: yeah so i i flew down to texas and drove up from texas with uh one of the guys i went to basic training with we drove from texas up to Bragg, and um when i got there it was it was uh full-on hurry up and wait like the whole in processing it took about a month where we were staying in those little transient barracks and it just seemed like i was never gonna actually fucking get there and uh but yeah once i once i did um obviously you know got got toyed around with as you should and then um stuck me with a 240 and they're like all right you're you're the machine gunner now and I was like cool that's like if there's any weapon that I want in here like I I want that one I want to carry that one Mm -hmm. and um so yeah I did that for about six to eight months and then um another opportunity came down the pipe my platoon sergeant came in and he was like you know everybody's bullshitting sitting around wrestling with each other watching porn and stuff and uh they're like hey who wants to go to uh ranger school and nobody raised their hand and i was like this guy because everybody you know everybody just seems scared yeah, yeah yeah i was pv2 yep pv2 wow. lewis and um he he had already kind of Thrown it in my ear a little bit. He yeah. was a he was an he was an old time guy too, um, and he was ranger all the fucking way. Like every time he passed him, Rangers lead the way. Like everything about this dude was fucking ranger, which I was fine with that because I, that's what I wanted to do when I first came yeah. in. And um, yeah, he was like, "Who who wants to go to ranger school?" Nobody fucking raised their hand. I raised my hand, and he was like, "All right, pre-ranger is in two weeks. Um, here's your packing list." And I spent paycheck that i just got and the previous paycheck on all the gear that i needed for for pre-ranger and ranger school really yep so they were like you don't you're not you're only going to have they showed me the timeline if you pass pre-ranger then you'll have one week and then yep and then start (laughs) and then start ranger school and they're like and i promise you that you will not want to be buying shit and putting your packing list together so get it together now and i think that was his initial test because mm-hmm. he was like all right this i was 19 and yep yeah, i was 19 years old at this point and he was like all right if i can trust this 19 year old to get this 10 page packet of of shit together he then spend hard to earn money yep yep three layouts you know within those two weeks mm. of just you know you guys know shit yep. after shit after shit and it was just like and then i i got it correct i think i fucked up the first one and then my second and third one it was a perfect layout and he was like all right you're good to go so because he didn't even tell me like yeah you you can go before he handed me all the packet i think that was his test to see because you know as a as a platoon sergeant i'm sure that that shit comes back on you when when your guys don't make it you know yeah and it was like i have to i cannot this is the one guy that i cannot let down you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't doing it for anybody else yeah. except really for him because he gave me that opportunity you know i thought i was gonna have to wait like four or five years to even get the chance at going to ranger ranger school and um he gave it to me and i saw everybody else kind of just fold tuck their little tails between their legs and i was like dude fuck it like if the way that, the way that everybody acted was really why I wanted to go a huge reason why I wanted to go. Cause I was like, this is something that nobody really wants to do, mm-hmm. you know? So fuck it. Like, i I want to. I want to do
0: that, especially 19 years old. Like, I'm. Let's do it. I mean, that's like a golden ticket. I mean, that's what you wanted to do in the first place, and here you were told no, no, no. And although you're not going to regiment, at least you can go into Ranger School, and have that opportunity. And um, that's all you really wanted was yep. somebody to give you a chance and put your foot in the door. Yeah. And yep. the, and once you got that chance, you seize the the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Because the plan
0: um, at that point,
1: I was still going back and forth. Do I want to go to 75th? Or do I want to go to, um, go to group or not go to group, but go enter that selection. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, you know, I'm 19 years old. You know, if, if I would have got a good score on my ASVAB, then I would have went to red. or would have signed an obstacle 40 contract right there. No doubt in my mind. Like, cause that's, that's where I wanted to start off with. I didn't, I didn't join the army being like, oh yeah, like, like green berets sign me up. Like I was 19 years old. Yeah. Was like there's no fucking 19 year old that, it, that, that, deserves to fucking be in in group you know what i mean in my eyes the way that i saw it you needed a lot of fucking experience because the pictures the the green berets that i was hearing about were 35 plus year old guys and i was like Mm -hmm. that's not even in my in my bank right now of, of a path to go to and so i was stuck on um knockout ranger school and having from what i heard Ranger tab going into RASP is a lot better than no Ranger tab going into RASP. You know what I mean? They were like, hey, you're going to get treated a little bit better if you have your Ranger tab prior to going to RASP. And so that was a huge thing for me too. I was like, all right, my platoons aren't hooking me up. Um, it goes kind of along with the path that I'm trying to go down. Um, and then once I once I got my, my Ranger tab, um, I was married for maybe a year and so I started talking to my wife like all right we started looking at you know three five ten years down the road and where we want to where we want to be at we, you know we want to have kids and stuff like that and um, we had already lost we had already lost uh, one baby our first first miscarriage during ranger school yeah. and so that kind of had our wheels spinning a lot um, about the whole family piece And uh, we just kind of talked for maybe one or two weeks after I got my GT score up and my Ranger tab, all right, what path do we go down? Do I go to 75th or do I go um, to SFAS? And after a couple weeks of talking, that's when we decided, like, that uh, we wanted to try out the SFAS and then stay at Bragg for the two years for the Q course because her family was in Raleigh, so it was was super easy. So that that weighed a, a big thing, too, is like, all right, I could go to Rast, and I think it was eight weeks of this time. I go there, do um, get th- fucking crust eight weeks, get to regiment, start deploying, um, but we'll be in either you know, Savannah for Washington or, or Benning. Benning yep. and um, have knowing that my wife had a, a support system while I was going through the Q course with her family right down the street was a huge, huge thing for me too. Cause it was like, I know I'm going to be gone a lot. And that's what everybody says. You're going to be gone. Even between phases, you're going to be gone. And I was like, you know, as much as as much as I want to go to seventy fifth right now I need to start thinking long term, not just for me but for my family too and um yep, yeah, group was definitely definitely where my my mind was made up at so when so. you came
0: back then from Ranger school, you used to put path in motion to start looking at dropping the packet yeah, and... so I graduated Ranger school um, ten fifteen so two thousand
1: and fifteen I got my ranger tab came back, and um, I took over a took over a team uh, i was a team leader for my weapon squad and then became weapon squad leader and then my platoon sergeant that gave me that opportunity to go to ranger school he took over um the recce section so um but this is what i fucking love about the dude even though he knew like what i was capable of, of accomplishing um he still asked hey do you want to come over to the recce side and i was like yeah i'd love to all right selections next week and you know what i mean it wasn't like oh yeah you've been to ranger school so yeah. fucking oh come on over buddy yeah. we know each other you know this dude was back by the boat yep yep you are no fucking different mm-hmm. and um he's like all right we're doing a, a selection for a recon next week at seven days and it was literally seven days of pre-ranger all over again and it was just it was awesome so i did i finished my maybe like last six to eight months in the 82nd with him up at the scout platoon. And, um, and then I went down after I finished. So got my Ranger tab, came back, did the fast class for a month, got my GT score up all, all while uh, doing team leader, squad leader, and then recce section. And then that's when, um, I went down to the recruiters at about maybe, maybe a year after Ranger school. Cause I, Finished, I graduated Ranger School 1015, and then 1016, <clears> um, I went to selection. So within a year, I was able to get fast class knocked out. Still do um, advance in the in the leadership capabilities, and then um, get to that get to that SFAS portion.
0: Now, did you have anybody that you knew from like a mentoring standpoint there that you know that kind of helped you? Or yeah, so my um, my weapons squad leader was a first group cat
1: that got kicked out for beating a bunch of Thailand police up. Yeah, so this dude, <laughs> awesome. he was like maybe five seven, five eight, and probably two hundred thirty, two hundred forty pounds of just steel. Dude was fucking huge. He would win the Fort Bragg bench press competition, like the the strongman competitions. He'd crush them all. Oh couldn't run for shit but he could he yeah. was strong yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 he was super strong I
0: remember a dude from it was from guam that was the same way dude yeah. had huge muscles man i mean his legs and everything but after he got done doing the the ups, he couldn't do the two mile run it'd kill him <laughs> you know because he used all of his thigh muscles yeah. to you know with that short little statue you know but uh but yeah he
1: he was a big he was my intel guy for what group was actually like and what um, selection was going to be like. He he definitely mentored me throughout. And unfortunately, when, when I left there, we kind of lost contact with each other. He left the Army, and I think he moved back to Texas, and that's the last time I talked to him. But, yeah, he was, he was definitely a big influence. Um, and he always told me... He kept my mind um, in a realistic state, you know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of a lot of things right now is all seen just like i was watching movies of navy seals like you're seeing instagram you're seeing all these social media platforms mm-hmm. and you're able to edit these pictures edit these videos like we were talking about earlier to make them look so much more badass than it than it really is and um so he kept me on that realistic path of like yeah you're you may be seeing like this cool shit but it's business man like it doesn't fucking matter how high or how long you stay in it like once you leave you're gone once you're you know what i mean like you're Mm -hmm. in there to do a fucking job and it's business you know it's there's going to be people that do way cooler shit than you and you may never know about it so don't get a big head and that's that's kind of how i kept my kept my mindset the whole time
0: so going through sfas well let me go back ranger school Mm -hmm. Recycle any?
1: Yep, yep. I recycled mountains. So I went in um, I think it was April of 2015, started pre ranger, and that was that was shitty up at the eighty second because they have their own compound. And so you don't nobody sees what the fuck is <laughs> is going on there. Which was good. Um, but we started out with 107 i believe uh, 100 plus students and only four of us graduated holy cow yeah wow. so i think and there was only four left after day five i think after the 12 mile ruck wow yeah it was it was a brutal brutal day it was probably 90 percent humidity um we still started at three o'clock in the morning it was probably 90 90 degrees already hmm. and um I finished, that was my slowest 12 mile ruck, 12 mile ruck that I've ever done. Um, I think I finished at two hours and 58 minutes and I was the first one done. So those next three guys just made it to the cutoff. And then, so the four of us made it underneath three hours and the next four guys, um, they lied to them and said that, Hey, yeah, you didn't pass the ruck, but if you make it through the patrols, then uh, we'll give you a shot at ranger school. Or actually, get through the patrols, we'll give you another 12-miler at the end, and if you make that one, then we'll...
2: They we'll <laughs> were just doing that to fill out the squads
1: yeah. for patrols, weren't they? Oh,
2: oh, oh. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Poor
1: souls. Yeah, so we oh. finished We finished our patrols out, and uh, the day of uh, pre-ranger graduation, they brought four packets out and told the those other four guys like Whoa. come back next class wow. none of them came back the next class you don't class. say yeah, yeah you don't say but all four of us got a ranger tab so they went 4 for 4 that class and yeah. i think that was one of their one of their best classes so why would you get a recycle um, i got it was in in mountains, so I didn't know shit about platoon tactics at that point. You know what I mean? I knew you're a PV two. Yes, I, was, I, knew <laughs> so weapons, I, knew. I knew weapons. I knew weapon yeah. squad shit, yeah. and and that was about it. Um, so I didn't even I didn't honestly didn't even know that there was platoon operations at that point. I thought it was all squad, and then they just combine them together. And um, but so Darby phase was fine. Um, I think I got a squad leader look, a team leader look. Um, got goes on both of those. And then you get that eight-hour pass in between Darby and Mountains. And that's when... So my wife told me that she was pregnant right after pre-ranger graduation. So I graduated. She told me that she was pregnant. So we were looking at having our first kid. And then the eight-hour pass um, between Darby and Mountains is when she told me that she had a miscarriage. So while I was in first phase, she had a miscarriage and had to do the whole surgery and shit all by herself. I mean, that's kind of why North Carolina was a blessing for us because her family was down the street. So while I was gone, she always had that support system. It had to be
0: tough on you though.
1: Yeah, it was, um, I felt like I was kind of abandoning my wife like when shit was rough. That was our first like really, really like our our rough patch. And um, yeah, it was, it was eight hours of like between crying and trying to be intimate with each other. You know what I mean? Um, And then knowing that, I got to go back for 30 more days. Um yeah, it was it was rough. So going in having that happen and then go into um something brand new at a platoon level tactics and your head's not clear um, it's gonna be pretty tough to um, absorb all that all that knowledge and that's what I struggled with Uh, my mind was completely in a different place Um, I was feeling sorry for myself and I was making up every little fucking excuse to why I should be home and I shouldn't be there and so I got recycled and I called my wife and told her I was like hey I'm fucking done with this. Like, um, I shouldn't be missing out on being there for you. Like I'm your fucking husband. That's why we got married. And she told me like, you're not allowed to come home um, unless you get your Ranger tab. She's like, I know that I know how bad you want it. And to think about all those times that I let you read the fucking Ranger Creed to me or how many, how much studying that you did. She's like, I will be fine. Like, stay there, get your Ranger tab. And, that's what I did. Stayed there. Um, it was like a, I think seven or eight day, um, recycle period. So that was really the worst nice. part, dude. That was that was the worst but best part. What was the, what was the worst? Uh, just, you were eating, just yeah, yeah. I was eating, but it was just <laughs> waiting because once I got, once my wife talked to me about that, it was like fire was lit again, oh, and so I was you ready, ready to, to get, fucking uh, get oh, after yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, had that makes to, sense. yeah. Had yeah. So just waiting, 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 and I was like, plus I,
2: those blueberry pancakes yeah. suck <laughs> when you're not hungry. <laughs> They're awful.
1: So we had we had access to the uh, not the Gator Lounge, what the overhang. Yeah. Yeah. So we had access nice. to that all seven days, and wow. I it was some, I can't remember what it was, um, but I think they all went on a block leave, and so it was just like a couple cadre's wives that uh, stayed back, and they were just handing us Snickers and shit. It was awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> I got I, I probably gained like fifteen or twenty more pounds just yeah. in that seven days. Yeah. I believe it. I was.
2: I did the same thing. I recycled in mountain phase. Yeah. Day one of patrols, and then. I had 10 days just eating blueberry pancakes and doing PT and yeah. putting snacks in the ceiling tiles.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I had, and, and honestly, the the real reason why I was able to do so well after that happened was because of the holdover cadre that was there. There was one guy, I can't remember his name, but he dedicated that seven days of, of uh, recycle period to us. He was like, I don't care about going home you guys seem like a pretty good group of dudes here. There was only like nine or 10 of us. It was pretty small. So let's get this shit figured out. What are your questions? And we just hammered him with questions and he stayed there. Whiteboarding shit, you know, bringing us out doing PEs, practical exercises, just doing all this stuff. And, and that to me was, um, a leader. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, like, like I said, I don't fucking know who that dude is. He didn't know us whatsoever at all, but he, he took that extra step you know for us and all 10 of us that got recycled we all ended up graduating wow yeah
0: no more recycles after that uh, from by any of them nope okay no I think there was one or two guys
1: that got caught fucking like grazing or something in in florida phase or some dumb shit but yeah yeah he that guy all every single second that he took with us was worth it because i don't know his name though no i can't remember his name
0: you know but that's the impact sometimes that as ncos or as leaders and stuff we end up putting on people that we don't even we didn't realize the impact we made and mm-hmm. maybe or maybe not he'll listen to this podcast and hear that mm-hmm. you know and think back of Maybe he won't remember you spe- uh, specifically, but he might remember a time. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what's so important as leaders is that we recognize that um, you might be given a moment. What are you going to do with it when that time comes, where you can pass on and maybe motivate some young soldier to to do something? Mm-hmm. So fast forward, we go to you, we get to your SFAS. Same thing. Were you able to go all the way through this time uh, with SFAS or?
1: Um, yeah, with the with the Q course. Yeah, again, I went I went straight through. Yeah. So we. Uh, it happened, it happened, we lost another baby. Um, so she told me that she was pregnant before going to SFAS and went through SFAS thinking like, all right, fuck this time. It's, you know, it's going to work out. And, um, yep. Got home, um, after selection and, and she's like, "Yep, we lost, lost another one. And so, um, luckily though, we had block leave like right after I got back from selection. So we were able to take the time to, um, I guess get closure on it. You know what I mean? We, we had time to go figure out what the fuck was going on. Like we were like, what, why, you know what I mean? Um, just doesn't, doesn't make sense on why we get, it was, I think both, both babies were like, I don't know, 12, 13 weeks, same exact time. And, um, but we had that time to get things figured out and, you know, we've got, we've got two kids together now. So, both of them both of them were fairly easy births so we just had we just needed some time to get it figured out but uh but yeah so i went through selection maybe a year after after ranger school and and then i started the q course 3 months after selection okay right after right after holiday block leave started in january and i had to i had to do um the soft basic leaders course first. Cause I hadn't even gone, hadn't even gone to BLC yet. Oh, I was wow. a, a team. I was a weapon squad leader. Hadn't even been through basic leader course yet. Um, had a ranger tab, but I had, didn't go through the big army school. So I had to hit BLC first. Yeah. yep, You had to. So you had to go through that. Um, which I lucked out again. That is the best BLC course because they're like, all right, all this shit that doesn't really matter we're not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make you guys watch, you know, videos on videos on videos. And that, that was really good because if it wasn't soft, if it wasn't that, then you would have had to sit through all that. And that was a big reason why all I was hearing, the reason, big reason why I uh, went to selection in the first place is because they were saying it's, you know, it's big boy rules now. And that's what I was chasing. I was I was chasing big boy rules. I didn't want to do the, the dumb shit anymore, and um, that was a that was a good confirmation that I was in a big boy rules type of setting when the the instructors were carrying themselves the way that they were carrying themselves, and we were still at the lowest level, you know, getting just getting our foot into the door in this in this community, and uh, they were super professional. Um, it was definitely big boy rules at that point, uh, which got me super excited for the rest. And I was like, I'm, I'm not trying to stay in the Q course for <laughs> any any longer than I fucking need to. So, um, I dedicated all my time to that. Um, when whenever we had breaks in between phases, like I would tried to get as much intel as I could and, and, um, get the guys together. And, um, there was a lot of other good dudes I went through the Q course with that were on the same page. Like, Hey, we know that, um, you know, Afghanistan's coming to an end, um, or we're kind of on the, the end tail of it. Uh, we need to get this shit done. Like now we don't have time to recycle. And that was kind of our mindset as a class that like, if we wanted to get, um, our piece of the pie that we needed to we couldn't bullshit this is and like q what
0: 2017 yep okay
1: yeah okay yeah so to the, yep january 2017 is when i started blc the q course
0: okay yeah seventh why seventh um i think my choices were did you did you what did you pick a particular language or how did you do on the what was it the d lad or anything or oh i hit
1: c for every question like i i wanted to get i, I wanted to get spanish because <laughs> a i'd taken spanish in in high school before so i i kind of felt a little bit comfortable yeah. with it and i knew that i could knock out six months of it and and pass the score so i just see, see, c see, see, and uh they're like yeah you're dumb we'll give you we'll give you portuguese i was like damn it i didn't even get what i wanted <laughs> so they gave me they gave me the portuguese and um I think my first one was seventh group i don't know i don't know why i think the reason why i chose seventh group was because um i had heard that it was just a remote location or they were off on off on their own doing their own thing and um i was like what about the other groups and we looked at third group is that Bragg, is huge you know army installation there and it's like all right let's go seventh group since we'll kind of have our own thing and that definitely has its has its pros and cons for sure, um, but and then fifth group because I was like, all right, if I'm not going to go down to Florida and be there, then fifth group is going to Middle East all the time. Like that's their AOR. Let, let's go there, and it gave me Portuguese and sent me down to destin
0: (laughs) well there are worse places to be i mean i actually grew up around in that area and uh talk about it but um when you got down there what was it like for you and getting into i mean now it's culminated now you have your ranger tab that you want you've gone through q you know you got the green beret Mm -hmm. you know you got the tab going down there what was it like walking in um
1: I mean obviously I was scared. I was nervous. Like, um, you hear so many fucking stories on like everybody's experiences walking into the team room the first time, like you're like, is am I am I gonna have that story where it's like we're all gonna be fucking boys or is it gonna be like, Hey, you only brought two cases of beer, like crawl to the <laughs> PX and get through two more cases? <laughs> am I gonna have a team sergeant that's like, Hey, fight this dude so we can see how like how real you are. Like what what is it gonna be? And that was that was really the only thing I was nervous about is like, all right, what what fucking lane am I gonna get on this one? And uh luckily it was nice. Um I was in the B team doing some in processing and my team sergeant walked in and um he called me by my first name and um he asked if I had a ranger tab. Said yeah and you know, after that, he was kind of laid off my ass a little bit because uh, he didn't even have a ranger tab, so he was kind of like, all right. But he introduced me to the team, and once I got there, um, I just jumped back into that mode. It was like, shut the fuck up and, and just watch, yeah. just listen. Be a sponge. Yep, yep. And that was, that was my mindset because I wasn't nervous. Like, I felt like I had to perform a certain way or I had to look a certain way or, or whatever. I mean, I knew that I had to perform at... PT obviously. So I wasn't, that wasn't what made me nervous. Um, it was just, you know, what kind of t- what kind of environment am I, am I about to walk into? Am I going to hear what, or am I going to experience the same things that everybody else talks about or, or what is it, what is going to happen? And, um, I think I, I landed the perfect situation where my senior Bravo, he was just like, Hey, what's up dude. First name basis. And he's like, all right, I'm going to start showing you shit. And that was it. You know, we just, I left like four days later and started training exercises right, like right off the bat. And I mean, I didn't get to, you know, deploy right away and, and go to Afghanistan right away. Like some stories that you hear, yeah. it's like, dude, show up, hey, funny, well, you're leaving. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't get that, which is fine. Um, I just went training exercise after exercise, after exercise until it was my time to, to go to Afghanistan. So
0: yeah. why do you think he took you, uh, took you under his wing, you know, the way he did? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have an idea.
1: Um, there was another team sergeant a couple couple rooms down um, that was from the same unit that I was in in the 82nd. And uh, my platoon sergeant, the Super Ranger guy, um, him and that team sergeant were friends. Okay. And so I believe that that team sergeant wanted me to come to his team, but he already had two Bravos on his team. So the next um, team that... He thought that I would fit in with was um, two six, so which is a advanced special operations team, and so that that kind of made me nervous a little bit too. Not gonna lie, Um, because you know you hear about dive teams, you hear about halo teams. I've never heard that there was an advanced special operations team, and as a new dude showing up, and that's the team that you're going to. That is kind of like all right what the fuck do I expect? You know what I mean? Because all these guys are in here with, you know, five, six combat deployments at minimum. You know, there was my chief. He, he was running on like 13th or 14th, um, combat deployment. And that's just a combat. This dude's been to South America like six or seven times too. So I was like, I, I tried to tell myself as much as I could that like that shit is out of my control, but it always, you know, it always dawned on me. You know what I mean? But, it really is like out of your control i can't i can only volunteer to do the shit that i can volunteer to do and going to afghanistan while i was in was not a voluntary thing you know what i mean the only time that you were going to get to do that is if you got the order to go do it and i think that's a a lot of people are struggling with that and have been struggling with that for a while because even when i was in the 82nd like People, that's all they talked about was just getting to Afghanistan, um, getting on deployment, stuff like that. And if if you didn't have your deployment patch, then you were a turd nugget, which was another reason why I was like, sign me up for ranger school. Like, I, I just want to go because I can't, there's nowhere to volunteer to deploy. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna volunteer to do this other shit that nobody else wants to do. So that was that was a big um, a big thing for me is just like having that in the back of my mind that I haven't been to combat like all these other guys have. Um, but they uh, they were professional just like those cadre and, and BLC were and they took me under their wing and and they pretty much said shut the fuck up and and let's work you know just watch follow along if you have questions ask bring beer in every day. Uh, make coffee every morning, take the trash out, um, clean the fucking place on Fridays, and yeah, I mean, when I wasn't when we, we, weren't, when we weren't at work we, we weren't at work, it's not like we were getting hit up with a bunch of dumb shit or or anything like that um, 2019 was my first full year on a team, and we were probably gone um, maybe nine or ten months out of the year, just training all over the place, it was, it was super fun I got to do some civilian schools got to do some big army schools some big army rotations then some civilian ran rotations and it was it was nice man i got to meet a lot of fucking people and that was 2019 was my first year on the teams and then we went to afghanistan in in january and that was my first combat deployment you know i've been in the army for six years or five or six years at this point and it was like finally i'm just i'm getting to it yeah so yeah i, I it was very easy to, um, to relate with a lot of the guys in the 82nd because they were, you know, my age and none of us had really been there, you know, done combat, anything. And so getting to, you know, a place where everybody has been to combat. Um, yeah, it gets, it, it can, it can mind fuck you a lot, but all the guys that I um, deployed with and were on the team with understood and they accepted the fact, like just because you come out of your mom like later than I did, doesn't mean <laughs> doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you're any less than a person. You know what I mean?
0: Um, so yeah. What yeah. was the what was the big army schools that you ended up going to? In um,
1: that time so Ranger School and um, rappel master. I knocked that out before I left, and then did uh, NTC JRTC with with the 82nd. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted,
0: I Never wanted to get to go scuba, halo, anything like that.
1: Then. No, no. So I did halo after, uh, after the Q course. Yeah. So they were still doing that. Um, so I graduated the Q course in, uh, November, November of 2018. And then, or actually I did free fall in November, 2018. So I'd finished, um, language up in October and then November did that. And then went on block leave, uh, moved my family down to Florida and then, started teams um January of
0: 2019. Hmm. Yeah. How I mean on the advanced team of it and everything you're talking about how they kind of took you underneath their their wing and everything but um when you think of the advanced team was it also supposed to be typically earned and and you just got like slid in or cuz I was just I was listening to you and it sounded like you were like one of the first to ever go that route.
1: Yeah, um I don't I don't know if I was if I'm the first but I definitely um it kind of was in the back of my mind the whole time that I was there is like what like why did I get chosen to be there I was 24 mm-hmm. at the time when I first showed up and it was like all these dudes were 30 35 minimum and I was like I have no idea why the fuck I'm here and I still don't know why they chose to put me on that team um but what I have seen now that I've been able to take a step back and kind of see how yeah. all the operations work. Um, I didn't go through a um, like an interview process where I see a lot of guys get interviewed right now. You know what I mean? If they want to, they'll get asked, you know, what team do you want to go to? And they'll say, I want to go to a dive team and they'll get an interview set up with the dive top three, top four. And they'll do that. Um, I did not have an interview. So I, truly believe that it was that team sergeant kind of taking me mm. under his wing and, and kind of pushing me towards the right direction
0: so 2020 how'd it go down in afghanistan
1: yeah it was so frustrating so fucking frustrating
0: because it was like it's a different time
1: frame yeah going so we were doing missions we we're doing missions every three days um until i think mid-march is when Everything cut off um, yeah it was it was very, very frustrating because seeing how much work um, that still needed to be done, um, seeing all the work that was done just diminish right in front of our eyes, um, and then to to pretty much be told to sit on your fucking hands can't go home, but you can't do your job either it. And then yeah it, it was it was very frustrating um, and I think the guys that had been there 10 12 times yeah. it wasn't frustrating but I just destroyed my body for 5 6 years to get to this to point to and point. then now you're going to tell me to sit on my hands when there's work right outside the gate to be done you know and we have already been out multiple times like we know that there's work to be done um, but yeah I don't I don't know this the stand-down was mostly for coronavirus. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh.
0: So once, you once get shot, uh, you get blown up, man. Right,
2: but right. Yeah, don't
0: I, catch that coronavirus. Wait, I, I guess I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, yeah. that was. That was March 2020. Yeah. That so was you're, when so you're
1: quarantined. Yeah. So in
0: Afghanistan.
1: Luckily, I didn't have to go that far. Um, I was at a, I was in an outstation, and so there was maybe like, I don't know. 80 to 100 of us out there. It was just us, our SF team, um, and then the 82nd was there with a platoon or a platoon and a half, maybe. But yeah, we were taking rockets, you know, the whole the whole shebang. Um, and then it was just like a light switch went off. Um, no more work, but you can't go home. Um, you know, this is. What you're seeing right now and what's going on right now, um, my whole team saw this happening um, last year. We talked about it the last three months that we were there with our sitting on our hands. When we leave, like this place is going down um, way faster than what anybody thinks. And it wasn't just us saying that. It was all of our partner force that we were training and fighting with. It was all of our interpreters that we were training and fighting with. I can't tell you how many times the interpreters came up to me or my partner force guys came up to me telling me that they're going to get their heads cut off please help me like get me out of this country like i have kids i have a wife all this shit and i would do it like i would push the paperwork up anything that i could try to do to help and my team was really really good on that because we knew we knew what was coming we we were watching it you know what i mean we were watching our our partner force get killed night after night after night um right outside the gate and it was yeah it was frustrating and, um, that is honestly like a big reason why, uh, I decided to take the med board was because, you know, I just crushed my body for five and a half, six years. And then to be there and just not be able to do what the fuck I like all this knowledge that I gained and everything. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was really frustrating. Um, not only just for me to like my you know captains only have two years on a team my captain was just losing his mind because he was getting hit up every single night like help me help me help me all these afghans getting killed like help me and it was just like we couldn't do anything it's frustrating super frustrating were you able to get
2: any of your interpreters out Mm no no so, do you guys have a, any essay on them now? Or are you guys trying? I
1: try have. That? I have a couple of buddies that are there right now, trying to um, trying to sort it out. Yeah, um, but dude, it was like one of my um, National Mind Resistance Group commanders, um, Afghan. We were his twenty-third special forces team that he worked with. Wow. And he had worked with five SEAL teams. So I was doing all his paperwork to try to he he has an SIV now, but he's still stuck in, in Afghanistan. They killed his five month old baby while we were there um oh, in April. Yep. And and like that's another thing too, is like, all right. He he is an American in my eyes. Yeah. Way way more fucking American than I am or anybody any American is here. This dude has saved more American lives than I can ever fucking imagine. And we're not gonna do anything about them. The Taliban killing his five-month-old, and like you got like morally, I cannot fucking live with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if if these are the types of situations that I'm gonna be put in to where like I have to live with this, and it's something that I can't even control, like that's it's gonna be hard to hard to want to stay around when I'm watching. Like what everybody's seeing right now is what we're watching over there, and just the white space just crumble. All this work of twenty years just crumble, and uh, yeah, like my that uh, that that NMRG commander, he he he's probably donated over ten thousand IDs just for Americans, because you know those those NMRG guys, they don't they don't clear IDs for for Afghans. Like they lived right next to us on our on our FOB, and they took commands from us, and that's all they cared about, and so seeing them, you know, stuck over there knowing like a type of guy and there's hundreds of them. I'm sure you guys all know it's like those dudes are more american than 90% of people here, you know what I mean? And the shit that they've done for this country without even ever stepping foot on it, you know, it's heartbreaking because it's like I told those guys that I would help them. You know, I pro- I made a promise to them that hey, we're starting this early because I know what the fuck is going to go on. And even with starting it a year out, you know, I don't know how some of these people are getting their interpreters out. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how, um, I, I do know one thing is that donating money to somewhere where you don't know where it's going. Like, that's not going to be a for sure thing. Yeah. And so like right now, you know, being in this, in this med board status at the very, very end of it, um, it's extremely frustrating because I have friends that are out that are going over there to do work and extract their, their, their personnel. And it's like, I can't. And that is like, but I can't, you're in that limbo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm at that point where it's like, I can't because not because I need to do army things, but it's because the, the healthcare system has taken so long to get me out um, that I'm not only missing on an opportunity to, get my afghans out but i'm also missing you know my six-year-old seven-year-old's life you know for the past year i haven't been there for what like i i haven't been doing but yeah it's the the whole afghanistan thing is frustrating i've got three um three guys that i'm trying to get out that i i can't and they're just sending me videos of um right outside their door just taliban checking every single person looking for any type of government anything any english on their phone they're taking them and just getting rid of them so it's it's super frustrating
2: it's a, and it, it was avoidable yeah completely 100% avoidable yes the fact and that you started seeing this a year ago yeah over a year ago oh shit man 10 years ago mm-hmm. yeah I, I in 2009 there was some some intel some stuff they'd worked up that there was kind of floating around and i got i got my hands on some of it and you know there's a report in there and the angle was that the taliban most of the old guard had been killed or died in natural causes because they're old and the new guys coming up were becoming more temperate and moderate because they were being housed by host nations and they couldn't operate freely in afghanistan And, you know, I saw that and I saw a few other things, you know, come down the pipe. And I'm like, we're going to give this back Mm -hmm. to like, we're going to paint the picture that the Taliban is moderate, which is fucking not accurate at all. And they're going to get this country back. And everybody that helped us in the meantime, they're fucked. Uh Like not a little bit, not kind of, not like your life's going to be hard. Not like, not like North Korea, political uh, adversary fucked, like, biblically
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're done you your family, the next generation and, and in a bad way, I mean ten years ago, man, yeah, yeah. we kept kept just giving back the same ground
1: mm-hmm.
2: like how many times are we going to take Marja how many times are we going to take Musa Kalei? how many yeah. Like, how many times so why, why are we giving it back yeah. you know political it's it's just some guys just make a forty sevens man
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know, but <coughs> it they're was, dedicated and determined yes, and uh, the the, the biggest thing um which was also frustrating, and I'm seeing it a lot. How, you know, they're saying that Afghans like didn't didn't want to fight and yeah. stuff like that. They they don't want to do that. It's like, dude, I I'll tell you what. All my partner force Afghans wanted to fight. You know who didn't? The Afghan commander. You know what I mean? Because they
0: lay their weapons yep, down.
1: Yep. So all those, you know, that that leadership is what, and I think it's across the across the board. It's like the leadership. Especially in in that country was you know they were they were they were quitting uh, before all this was going down. Um, they had a plan. This is they've been having this plan because we we would literally hand them. I would hand them routes, you know, target packages when we weren't allowed to go out. And I was like, hey, you hit this, like you guys won't get fucked with tonight. Wouldn't do it. And it was just like man. I can only we can only help you guys out so much you know what i mean but it was it was crazy because we'd be going over um every now and then we'd sneak over to uh me and my captain we'd sneak over to the um partner forces place it was right across the street and every time we went in there to talk to their commander he had like a new couch or a new tv or new shit and my captain and I were saying like, dude, this motherfucker is smuggling. Like he's taking their money. You know, we were getting reports of like his soldiers were getting paid and stuff like that. And I was like, these dudes are just begging for stuff. And it was like, every time we went in there, new things, new stuff. And it's like, well, and that's hit the mainstream media at this
2: point, mm-hmm. they, you yep. know, the senior military leadership was just lying in their pockets or taking pay. They're taking bribes, you yep. know, I mean, it's.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the biggest thing, though, for you, I can definitely hear it within your voice, is that you spent all this time wanting to do the very thing, you know, and working. It's not just door kicking and stuff like that, because as a special forces soldier, you're getting the opportunity to train, to mentor and coach, you know, these individuals to be able to help defend against some enemy forces out there. That's the whole, you know, charter, the whole mission and yet you, you don't ever get that opportunity to do it. And you see the opportunity or the failure in front of you, because mm-hmm. it is still an opportunity, like you said. Mm-hmm. And yet you're you're being held back, just like we're watching on the videos. You mentioned the videos of American forces being directed not to do anything mm-hmm. while our, you know, um, foreign friends, you know, whether they're French or British, are going in. Yeah. And getting their people and bringing them to the airport, rather than waiting for mm-hmm. Americans to get to the airport.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what I don't understand. Is like I have I have hard locations on where um, the three guys that I need to get out, but there's no Americans that are going to go get them. But you can't fucking leave. Like they, these guys cannot leave. They know where the, they know who they are. They have pictures of them. They have all this shit and they know. So if they, if they leave like whatsoever at all, they're, they're done. And so it's like super frustrating. Um, But yeah, I noticed big time on that deployment. We caught um, one of the, one of the bigger commanders, Taliban commanders there in our region less than 24 hours um, he was released and I was like Hmm. we did all this fucking work all this fucking work to get this asshole and now we're just gonna let him go what are we doing you know what I mean It, it started to become like very apparent like all right, we are not gonna be able to make any fucking difference here if this is what's gonna keep happening you know dude that had to be just like so oh it was it was terrible because um The shit that we found on this guy's phone was just insane, you know, and it was like like, justifiably he should have been. Yeah, them shooting at our fob, you know what I mean? Him recording people shooting at our our fucking towers and shit and let him go right back. And it was it, it blew my fucking mind. You know, to get there and then to see this, this is what, this is reality. This is what the fuck is going
2: on. Did any of your teammates, the guys that have been there before, did they have, give you any kind of essay on that? Like, hey, shit's not
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of had. Yeah. So they they were not. Yeah. My, my Fox, this was his first Afghanistan trip. And so even he, even in his mind, he was like, we're going to let this motherfucker go. Like we're just in. What happened the next, next fucking night? Two um, ANA checkpoints got blown up from under, underneath the ground, and then we took eight rockets on our fob. The message That's probably was... probably just a coincidence. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. The
1: message was um, that we had, I guess, his brother was an even higher Taliban commander than him, and they were like, this is payback for you guys taking my brother. And I was like, and we fucking let him go you know, and this is now that asshole's back and we took rockets, you know, our partner force died and like, how are we, how are we making it? How are we going to make a difference if we're going to continue to do this? You know, that's
0: tough on your psyche. Yeah. You know, that's like big time because I mean you, you, you swear an oath, you sign a contract and you're doing it a lot for your brothers on your left and right. But there's also this thing of you're doing it for service to your country. And then, yet, um, you well, know, like, you discovered that hard not, truth.
2: I mean, what we're talking about, like, you're, it's not just for our country. No, I, mean, I get it, I yeah. Mean, for the Afghan people, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know a whole lot of people I've served with or they've served over there in combat roles that don't have a really soft spot in their heart for the Afghan people. Like, they're getting fucked over right now. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not.
0: Yeah. But, not, but my point is that not everybody maybe saw that coming or understood that piece of it. The cruel reality is that we tend to be puppets at some point. And yeah. then you end oh, up realizing I see. I see that. What That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. And when that hits you, it hits you hard.
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah,
1: when you realize you're not pulling the strings. Right. Yeah, You're, n- you're not calling the shots. You're on the, you're
2: on the chessboard, but you're... Yeah. Right. Eight,
1: I mean, like 82nd, when they were there with us, they had no fucking... They had no idea what was going on. You know what I mean? They had no clue. So, which... You know, I I feel for those dudes spending 12 months there and getting to do nothing but sit in a tower. And then, you know, they make close relationships with the Afghans, too. Um, and, you know, thank God that those dudes don't really know what the hell was actually going on while they were pulling Tower Guard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, you wanted to keep them just, you know, as informed as possible because you don't want to let complacency get in the get in the thing. But it was like, dude, I know that these guys would lose their shit if they really knew what was going on right outside that gate. So,
0: yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, as a as a soldier, or as a military person, you know, you're, you're looking at this whole situation and you you feel helpless and you feel like, um, you know, you want to do something about it. Um, because that's what we train or what we, part of what we want to do and stuff is, is help, uh, partnering nations and yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you like the, the one thing that would, um, that would really, really change my life is, is seeing, you know, at least one out of the three of those Afghans get here. You know what I mean? If a three out of three work, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, if even just to see their face walk off of a plane, you know, onto, onto America soil. would be fucking
0: insane. I mean, even but at this point, whatever yeah. soil. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And and then we'll work out the rest of it later. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what the British government has come forward to say is that, listen, we'll work it out later. You know, let's mm-hmm. just, you know, do what we need to do here. And, um, Wow. Yeah. There's going to be more on this topic uh, yeah. for certain, because I mean, as things begin to play out, there's going to be more that we can talk about and, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we're, it, things are unfolding quickly right now Yeah. and, yeah. um, uh, or slowly mm. depending upon how it tends to play out in your mind. Yeah. Um, what is, so what's going on now, once you started with the medical, uh, process though, um, that's when you decided to go more the entrepreneurial route and you started looking at what is it that you wanted to do. So I know you're al- already big into fitness and mm-hmm. everything else, but what made you decide, all right, this is the direction that I want to go? Yeah. So I, I started, um,
1: I started the social media stuff in September last year. So, um, I, you know, my wife and I were talking and we, we wanted to start a business together. Um, when we bo- moved back to Nebraska, we want to open up a wedding venue. And so our wheels were starting to turn already. Like we knew that this, wa- this life, you know, was going to be behind us real soon or real, not real soon. Whatever you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were hoping it was going to be real soon. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have no idea about business whatsoever at all. Like yeah. i never been to college for marketing. My wife's never been to college for marketing. Like, we didn't know shit. And so uh, we started the Alpha Country business. And uh, when my, we first... My Alpha Country? The the name of it, you know, I, I think while I was over there, um, seeing the, all the Afghans talk about America and, and really, like, what America meant to them um, made me realize how much of a... guess alpha country this this is everybody looks at us as like hey they're fucking number one um whether it be in in war the best place to live like whatever (laughs) america is number one and i don't think that's going to fucking change you know no matter with whatever's going on i think we have way too many good people in america to ever allow that shit to, to to actually happen um so we you know found a catchy name you know what i mean like like i said we had no idea really what the fuck we were doing and uh we wanted to start with um just some some shirts or whatever and so we found another seventh group um veteran and was like hey can you make shirts for us and and then we realized that all right the clothing thing is not really what our focus is on you know what i mean how can we actually make an impact and um I started, you know, really paying attention to the messages that I was getting, um, on Instagram and, and realize, like finally realized what people wanted and, and really they just want knowledge, you know what I mean? Knowledge and experiences is what, um, can help a lot of people not fucking make the same mistakes as you did. And, um, so that's why I started to brainstorm what I could give back and what would not just give back for the time that I'm saying it, but resonate for a long time. And that's why I made those operation alpha programs. So, you know, you're, A phase one was Special Forces Assessment Selection um, train-up. So six weeks of nothing but grueling workouts that you're gonna do in selection. And um, myself and another Green Beret from 7th group ran this program uh, while we were training up. So we just didn't have it pieced together. And then I made a second phase um, for the typical workouts that we'd be doing on a team. And so that's my, like, that'll never have to go away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As long as I want it to be up there, I don't have to continue to talk about it, but it can always help out some future Ranger kid or future Green Beret that wants to go down this path. Hey, if you want to know what, like how hard it's going to be and taxing on your body, it's going to be like run this program, dude. And you'll, and you'll see. And, um, so yeah, I started out with that and then doors just started opening up, man. Like, um, I got involved with, uh, we go home ran by, uh, trung. He messaged me and he, um, kind of just spilled his vision on where he, where he saw the company going. And, um, he was still kind of tied in with another group. So he went solo and that's when he, he hit me up. Hey, I'm just branching off on my own. We're still in the first year, but I know that you and I have the same, we're, we're very like-minded. And so when I realized that I was like, all right, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, take my role on this. So now, fast forwarding eight months that I've been doing that, um, I'm probably gonna go all in with that, honestly. Um, once I get out, the Alf Country will still have you know the programs and stuff like that, but I'm I'm not gonna be making shirts and hats and stuff that we were doing because the reason why we started do- making the hats was after surgery. Like, what do you have to do? Yeah, it's fucking, <laughs> I can't walk for seven weeks, so it's like give me a hat my air force buddy he had a little laser machine and i was like i'll buy some leather off amazon can you engrave this logo into this patch and i was cutting these patches out and sewing them up to make the time yeah yeah, to make the time go by (laughs) yeah so we uh yeah, we started doing that and, and people really started liking the hats. And, you know, at at the beginning we'd order twenty hats of just one kind and, and do those, knock those out. Now I'm having to order like hundreds of hats and had to teach my wife how to sew. So so I'm like, Hey, <laughs> sew these hats. And so now we have a we have a whole system. But um but yeah, we're we're definitely looking forward to we're only continuing to do that right now because I'm still in that limbo, you know, I'm not out quite yet. So
0: Right. Well so you're going to put it in mothball, or are you going to kill it? Because, um, I mean, you've got a, kind of a good thing going there that you could keep on the side. Yeah, so
1: that the the problem that I'm running into is that my my vision of the Alpha Country and um, my vision, along with Trung's vision of We Go Home, yeah. is f- damn near the same. Yeah, oh, okay, so then you'd be... I'd yeah, gotcha. so it's like... Um, I'm just not that I'm, I'm not the type of person to um, manage going half on one thing and half on the other. Yeah, you can I, only have one to master. Go, I have to go a hundred percent on yeah. one thing. So um, I'm going to keep either. I'm going to keep the Alpha country company up and going so that people can have, ac- have access to that. I just won't really be involved with it. Yeah. Or I'll take those programs and incorporate them into the we go home because okay. with we go home, we're having. We're. Um. Next year is going to be a big year. Uh. We're going to open up a like a six thousand or seven thousand square foot uh, warehouse. We're going to start developing our gyms. We're going to start getting equipment like this to, to bring veterans in. Um.
0: In but do this sh- do podcast. Yeah, or, but with we go
1: yeah. home. The big reason why I like it is um, Trung is a a SWAT guy, a former um, former ranger. And then you got a firefighter and then another, another police officer. So for me, I'm gaining a lot of knowledge on what these guys fucking lives are every single day. And it's crazy. Yeah. And so to me, um, the Alp country business is just myself and my wife running it. Um, with there, it's 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 a group, it's a team
0: forming, and so that is where I can gravitate to more than anything. You know, it, is, it's great that you've been able to find that because I mean, so many guys struggle in the outside, especially mm-hmm. trying to make that transition of find yeah. that thing. Yeah, and you found it so quickly, and you found a tribe mm-hmm.
1: quickly. Yeah, yeah, and that's when I started to realize that that is what uh, that is what is happening. Um, that was a big. Kind of thing that I, I I wrote down is like, hey, this is kind of like the why. Um, I want to give this same opportunity that I'm getting right now mm. to other people that are going to be getting out in the future, because I know I remember being after surgery, like sitting there, like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know what I mean? I know that I'm going to get out, but I have no idea what the hell I'm going to do, and. I hadn't even met with Trung or anything yet. It was still like, how can I, how can I turn this alpha country business? And I was, I was stressing myself out big time. Like I was just sitting there. I was frustrated because I couldn't walk, I couldn't work out or do anything. Um, I had to watch the kids play outside. But then, knowing that I need to figure out a way to make money for my family. Like the VA disability shit, like I, I could honestly care less about that. I really don't care. I don't, I don't want the military's money or the government's right. money at all. Um, so I put the stress on myself. Like I'm going to walk out of the army with zero dollars. So,
0: Means you better you have need to plan. get your, yes, you better get your head out of your ass right now and start yeah. feeling
1: sorry for yourself. Yeah. Well,
0: and, and I guess the good or bad thing is that you don't know when that timeline is going to be. So the bad part is you don't know what that timeline is going to be, but at least you might have enough time to build a plan, mm-hmm. build a strategy. You've got part of it already laid out for you by having, knowing where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and having, still being involved in the, the team life, um, a lot of my teammates are retiring. Um, within the next one or two years
0: so how how did they take that uh deployment you know coming back i mean did it define them or just help define their decision that much quicker i have um, to ask you now that we're on this topic. no yeah yeah, yeah, you yeah making... no. um there were some i think
1: doesn't matter what team you're on there are some guys that um prefer to kind of just be in their room and, and do their own thing and then there's some dudes that want to be out you know doing shit all the time um There was definitely, I saw that there was some guys like were okay with not going out anymore, which makes perfect sense to me, bro, because you've done it thousands of times. You know what I mean? I haven't done it thousands of times yet. So you could definitely see the more experienced veteran Green Beret, me hungry as fuck ready to get after it because I just spent six years training for this opportunity. Um, You could definitely see that we butt heads a lot because I'm throwing shit in the captain's face like, hey (laughs) they're over there. And they're like, hey, chill out, dude. Like so it was it definitely needed those type of guys to be around. And coming back here, those are the guys that are taking charge when it comes to like, you know, the the depression shit that's going on right now. You know, those are the ones that are that are taking lead on it and talking to and, and investing a lot of time, um, staying after work to talk to people to kind of make sure that their head's right by the time they go home so
0: yeah yeah you're right especially with everything that's going on i mean it was one thing when when we had um the virus and pandemic issues that caused a lot of strain in so many different areas and then now you have the drawdown and the things that are going on in afghanistan at this moment compounded with already tbi's post-traumatic stress from Mm -hmm. Potentially, you know, combat situations, or maybe even before military, and it's just a lot right yeah. at this moment. I mean, we're hitting like the like a crescendo. Mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, yeah, it does feel that way. It's. Like, I didn't know if I was alone on that because I no, kind of no, just 100%. feel like because you
2: know, well, nothing's so certain, right? Like the economy's a little weird, politics are weird, yeah. foreign policy's weird. Yeah, you
1: know. Healthcare is weird.
0: It's gonna, Everything's a little it, fucking it's gonna take, weird right now. Man. It's gonna take strong leaders, right? You know, well, it's, it's
1: really weird because it. I don't know if it was
0: a couple weeks ago, a couple
1: months ago, but I felt like shit was kind of starting to go back to normal, and then it was like boom, you wake up the next day and it's back to being weird again. You know what I mean? It's just it's like a, it's, it's a huge normal. roller coaster of like what are you gonna wake up to and, and see today or what's gonna be. What's going to be the new topic today? Yeah,
0: there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, social media. I think um, you know you've to have mastered that pretty well, but that's one of those things too that can really drag you down.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I honestly have no fucking idea how I was able to in less than a year grow that that page into fifty something thousand followers. I.
0: Had I, I would you have I, almost like this seal following kind of thing right? Here, but yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's know. like
1: I tried to go be a seal before I <laughs> went into the army or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 weird. Hey, it's weird as fuck to have an Instagram and have like my face out there. Um, I don't have my name out there yet, but it's just like it's still weird. I I would be lying if I didn't say it felt weird every time I posted a picture of even whether it was on that deployment or in training. It just feels weird. But at the same time, my face was getting blasted out, like, before I even had an Instagram. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was getting screenshots from my buddies, like, sending me pictures that, you know, the Army was putting up. Not respecting my face, not respecting my name. You know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, I can go back and forth on, uh, when a lot of people are like, Oh, you shouldn't be posting that. Like, it's like, first of all, I'm not saying anything about a mission, you know, that'd be way different. You see a picture, but what you read in that caption has nothing to do with that picture for the most part. And and I think that that is what a lot of people have trouble with is they don't understand that what I'm doing is it's marketing. You know what I mean? I don't have to go to college for this. What do people want to see? They want to see a cool guy picture, right? Yep. But and how Hopefully am I?
0: They'll read. Yeah, exactly. How mm-hmm.
1: am I going to be able to um, get into that into that community and get the message that I want to push across? I have to put a fucking cool guy picture up. I'm sorry, but you you see, if I don't put a picture of uh, my time in the army versus you know a picture of, of me um, sitting at the table that my wife took or something like that, $10,000, 1,000 both have the same message underneath them, talking about real life shit. You know what I mean? But only one thousand people saw this. You got ten thousand people seeing this. I if if I know that I can reach more people with just a simple cool picture, then that's fine. It doesn't you're not gonna be able to pick anything off of that unless you've been there in that location, then you can't you can't pinpoint where I was at, when I was there, what I was doing, anything like that. So but, yeah, the, the whole social media thing is definitely definitely weird because I, when I got in the Army, I cut it all off um, because I can't do things 50-50. And I didn't want to have to worry about trying to build a – because if I'm going to have a social media, I'm going to do it to build a business. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, all right, I'm going in all in 100% on this Army shit. So delete everything. And I kept it like that. And – I'm not saying that you can't have social media throughout the, your army career, but if you're trying to get shit done fast, you don't have time for distractions and I don't care who you are. Like Instagram and social media is a distraction. You will always find something that will distract you. Yep. So, and I told myself I wouldn't let anything distract me. So cut all that shit off and
0: it worked out. Yeah. No, it's worked out well for you. And I wish nothing but the best for you in your next transition, whatever that ends up being. I know you mentioned what the route is that you're going, Mm -hmm. but the timeline of that, how it's all going to shake out, where you're going to land, you've mentioned might be a little bit different. You're not sure where all that's going to, so through that transition, um, I wish you nothing but the best, you know, as you end up doing that. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show too, brother, and tell your whole story and. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much, man. This was awesome. Yeah. this is awesome. So, where is it that uh, people can probably find you? And in case those people, I want to make sure I ask you that real quick. In case they're wanting to look at you on Instagram, since you happen to mention it.
1: Yep, yep. The Instagram handle is the Alpha Country. Um, no uppercase, all lowercase, one word, and then the website uh, for like the shirts, um, the hats that we make, and um, the programs, um, the workout programs are all on thealphacountry.com. All right, man, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yep, really thank appreciate you, brother.